Welcome to Multimillionaire Secrets in 30 Minutes. Today we have John Beeson, first round NFL draft pick, 2007 draft, two-time All-Pro and three-time Pro Bowler, and was at the time the highest paid middle linebacker in the history of the NFL. And today, John is going to share with you exactly how he did it. Welcome to the show. And John, first question, super easy. How old were you when you made your first million bucks, and how did it come about? <laughs> That's a great question. I was 22 years old. I just turned 22 about uh, three or four months prior to. And um, it's very simple, man. If you have the opportunity to go high in the draft, um, and I would preference that with going high in the draft is what you did in college, right? So you're getting rewarded. You know, teams are getting in line to ask for your services based on what you did at the collegiate level. So um, before we talk about signing for $6 million and being a 25th pick in the draft, th the moment before I got the phone call, I was broke as shit, <laughs> you know? And, and that's, that's really where um, I would like to take this. It's really about having an end goal and as you're on route to that, knowing that it's so far, so far-fetched, hard to reach, you can't really see it, but you know it's there, but you're, you're in the moment, you're grinding right now for, for that end result, but it takes going in and being dedicated, diligent in the moment, and um, that, I think that's the, the hardest part. That's where guys kind of lose it in terms of making it or not. So let's talk about something you said, because it's very important. You became a millionaire at 22. But when did the work start that allowed you to become a millionaire at 22? I think that if, uh, if I go back to um, where I think it's different in terms of becoming a millionaire, because that wasn't necessarily the goal. The goal was, was to be um, a, an outstanding football player. Um, when I was 9, 10 years old, if we lost a game, I didn't want the popsicle. I didn't want the ice cream, the pizza with all the moms after the game. I didn't have a smile on my face. Typically, if we lost a football game, I was in tears. And right away, it just mattered. Like being highly competitive and there is no kind of in-between, uh, you know, threshold, so to speak, of success. Either you, either you got the job done or you didn't. Not that, it, not that it's not for everyone. I, I, so you have... You know, you have ordinary and then you have extraordinary, right? There's, it's, it's cliche, I get it. But the difference between being ordinary, you know, mediocre, average, you know, par is the extra, you know? To be extraordinary at something is the commitment to what you're willing to give up to make sure you get it. And that's where um, people lose it, you know? You have to say... I know this is going to be hard. I know that there's a, there's a, a possibility that it might not happen, but there, it's, it's the person who says it can happen. It might happen. And not that it can't be taught, but you have to fully commit to something. That's the first step, understanding what it is you want. And then the most important part is what you're willing to sacrifice for it. Is it sleep? Is it the extra reps? Is it, is it time? Is it partying? All those things are, are what separates the ordinary from the great. And 
I just, I always wanted to be a champion. The cha- being a champion drove me. It was a team goal um, that made me. And I could look all the way back and I kind of scratched my head. And I said, man, I just, I don't know why it matters so much to me, but it did. And it was, it was life or death. And I think that level of pressure, um, most people, they don't want that. You know, I think sometimes when you, when you give your all and you risk it all and you try your hardest and you sacrifice so much and you, and you don't quite make it the end result, the end goal, people rather not give everything that way they can say, well, you know what? I really didn't try that hard. You know, I could have done better, but it wasn't that serious to me. I, it didn't matter that much. And I think um, that's where the disconnect is. Do you think that anyone can learn to try hard enough to get the result they want or it's not for everyone? How do you think someone could make that commitment known? Did you tell other people, hey, I'm going to play in the NFL or you told yourself or what made it real where there was essentially no other option but success? Well, that's the thing. I think now that I'm on the other side of it and my passion or being able to exercise my passion is no longer um, a viable option. I, I get where people fall into this, this kind of existence of, of just punching the clock of just going through the motion. Um, where, whereas even in my field as a, as a professional athlete, being a team captain, it bothered me that even guys at, at, at that level who had, who had made it to, you know, the point where you're starting and you're, you're in that, you're in that 1% and it was extremely difficult to get to this point. But even amongst that, amongst us, where is that level up? Like who is, who is the guy? Who, who is the leader of men, the alpha, the alpha dog, so to speak. And it, it bothered me when people didn't give everything they had for the moment. And I think that um, the one thing that always separated me from other people was didn't matter what the task was, if it was just a simple sprint, you know, uh, one rep in the, in, the, in the weight room, one particular play on, on the practice field, game field, I gave everything and I was completely shut off from what is about to happen. It was this particular moment in time, give your best effort and be prepared for it, right? It's like, you know, you could talk about conditioning and being athletic and, and being an athlete, but can you're conditioned when you constantly do something repeatedly over and over again, so many times that you can't do it wrong, so that in the moment, it just becomes repetition. It just becomes practice. Um, you see great guys, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, you see those guys rise to the occasion. You don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your readiness, your, to your preparation. Um, and that was the difference. I could, I could turn it on in a heartbeat right there, give my best effort and then do it again and do it again and do it again. And that's all my focus was on. So I'm assuming at every single level, you have to continue getting better because the competition's better. So it's like, all right, I'm amazing as a young kid. Now I'm moving to the next level. The people are better. I have to be better. And all the way up through the NFL where you were in all pro, you're continuing to improve. You have this pace of essentially rapid improvement to keep being the best at every single level. Mm-hmm. How did you figure out what you were good at, what you weren't good at, how to work on each of those and divide the time for each of those? And how did you come to a place where you had basically, I'm assuming, brutal honesty with yourself as far as what needed to be done? 
you you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that sometimes when you're good at something, you know, people call it talent. And I, it's, it's a word that I hate to use um, even coming out of my mouth. Like talent is the God-given stuff. It's just, you know, if I wanted to be the next best center, I'm not seven foot tall, right? So like that wasn't God-given. But if you do have the talent and the, the, you know, the ability to, to, to work hard, you would assume that you should, you should get better. And for me, even going to the University of Miami at the time, playing in back-to-back national championships, uh, my freshman year, we had six guys in, in, the, in the first round. Um, in, that, in that respective year, uh, for each individual who went in the first round, there was 19 first round picks um, in that photo. Most guys won't sign up for that. Most people choose to take the easy road because the level of excellence that they're trying to obtain is not excellent. It is just, I want to kind of do this. You know, you can't, you can't be kind of noncommittal. And I think that um, the ability to to get better was with me, my, my, my overall goal of just wanting to, to be a champion and only signing up for that. You know, I had a great career um, in retrospect. Um, I got derailed with injuries. I fought through those injuries. I felt that um, having something taken away from you gave me a newfound perspective of a love or appreciation that I had for, the fo- for, for playing football. And I didn't win the championship. And people look at me, and they say, man, like, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't care. I don't care what I was able to accomplish. You know, my barometer of the difference between good and great at the NFL level, at the highest level, was my ability to make the guy next to me better. That means I had to go about my business in a certain way, in a certain consistency that made him say, man, I got to do it the way John Beeson did. And if I, if I can get him to play better and this guy to play better, then the overall team goal of being a champion uh, should be obtainable. And it, that, that's what drove me. I, I knew I couldn't show a chink in my armor um, at any moment because then I was a fraud, you know, and that's, that's, that's part of being a leader. Where you're, whether you're a CEO, you're a manager, you have to show up and perform, and most people cannot commit to that level of consistency. What were the examples of things that you were doing that were extreme consistency, working on weaknesses that other people, despite being also in the NFL and at a very high level, were saying, okay, I've never done it like that. Mm-hmm. So p- football is not considered a cardiovascular sport. It's, no, it's not rhythmic, rhythmic in terms of it just being, you know, repetitive. If you're on a bicycle or you're, you're you know, you're a marathon runner, um, a distance swimmer, it's not considered that it's short spurts and then you stop, you know, the spurt stops, spurt stops. So, but it is in a sense that it, it is a three hour marathon, three and a half hour marathon. And in my mind, I would I said to myself, like it was, just, it was mathematics. It was, if I'm in the best possible shape, okay, I can play the hardest on this individual down the longest. So, my level of commitment, my level of want to should pop out at the screen or the spectator because I'm either staying here as everyone's getting tired as the game wears, where, uh, 
weighs on and that makes me look like I'm actually ascending when everyone else is getting tired because I've trained that way. So I would put myself through workouts that people didn't want to work out with me. People didn't want to train with me. And, you know, having soft, soft tissue injuries like tearing my Achilles or, you know, um, having reconstructive toe surgery, my PCL, all non-contact injuries, they were not acute on chronic in terms of taking a blow to, this, to that joint. It, because I, I did train that way, my body gave out on me. My body said, John, I had enough. But when you watch the film, the reason why I always stood out is because my, my goal was to say that if there was no name on the jersey, if it was just a number, whether it was two in high school and college or 52 in the pros, I wanted a person who knew nothing about football to just say, man, that guy is moving and playing in a manner that seems like he wants it greater than everybody. And that example is shown as we watch film in practice, as we watch the game film. And it's undeniable because your teammates are looking at you saying, damn, I wish I could do it like that. And that's how you have to go about success. That's where success is obtainable, where you can reach it, when you can work in a manner that is unprecedented, but at the same time, the people around you are saying, damn, I can't do that. You've already won because they, are, they refuse to make the sacrifice that you, you've already made. So talking, uh, bringing that back to conditioning, in my mind, I expected a result. I didn't hope for a result. A hoping is, is an outside force. You know, hey, God, help me here. And I do believe in, I do believe in faith, you know, go ahead and say that. But at the same time, I'm not expecting that. I want to win on my own merit. And if I put that work in mentally, my mind's conditioned because I know I've already hurt for it. So I deserve it more. And then when you go into whatever it is you're trying to obtain at that moment, you're ready for it. And you're not going to just let it go because you've, you've already sacrificed too much for it. It sounds like one of your biggest skills is something that, almost every human struggles with, which you don't, is you know that really hard work is gonna have an amazing result, but it might not be immediately after the work, but you know the <laughs> result is coming. So you're very good at pushing the result further into the future. So what happens is the result actually gets bigger than everyone else's because there's more work leading up to it. Can you talk a little bit about how people may be closer to success than they think but they quit the hard work because the result didn't come in yet. But in reality, it might've just been a little bit further in the future. Yeah. See, that is the number one di differentiator between the people who obtain and the people who don't. And it's logic, right? We're, we're logical creatures by nature. We have the ability to rationalize, to rationalize and think uh, in the moment, you know, where something is wise and where something is not. Um, for instance, um, I would never jump out of a plane or, you know, dive off a hundred foot cliff off the mafia coast or um, anything crazy like that. I'm not for, but the reason why in, in the United States of America, football is a number one sport. It's because the person who's watching the spectator who's watching is not willing to do what is necessary to play the sport, to run into somebody full speed. That's not wise. Um, the person who puts in 
crazy hours at the office, stays late, up early, still get their workout in, a great husband, great, great mother, you know, take care of three kids. Like they don't, they don't know any other way than what's not rational, what's not logical. And that's where you look at things like, for instance, something that I can't quantify, what I don't understand is text message, text messaging. It's something that is, is, we don't even care about it. We just do it and no one appreciates how there's almost 7 billion people on this planet. Obviously it's not 7, 7 billion cell phones, but how does it go to Josh Golder and not, you know, Angel Fernandez or Francesco Zamponi or Brian? Like, I don't, I don't, logically it does not make sense, but it works. But the person who invented it, okay, he wasn't sitting around saying, this isn't practical, this isn't logical. Wi-Fi, all these things that make no sense to us from a technology standpoint, but they work. How? It's that human being who's saying that I'm going to push the threshold of what is logical. And the end result, I believe, without even knowing what the end result is going to be, is going to be something that is unprecedented, extraordinary, you know, all the words that I've, I've used to, to, to separate them standalone from number two. So it sounds like you believe that almost everyone is capable of way more than they are doing. They either just don't want to make the commitment or they don't think they can do it. Right. And, and, and the reason I believe that is because as an athlete, every single day, every single day, doesn't matter what level it was, you can go out there on the field and there's some kid, some dude that's running around who's bigger, who's stronger, faster. And you're looking at him saying, damn, that guy is a monster. He's a freak. And you're in awe of him. Every successful, Michael Jordan will say it, Ray Lewis, Larry Bird, Kobe Bryant, rest his soul. Ed, he will all say that there was this guy, man, that he was different. It's like that in every field. But are you saying he's different and not working to be your best or give more than him or trying to still beat him? Even if you're coming up short every single time, like it can be taught it can be developed um but it does take a level of commitment that will eventually make it easier whatever it is how would you train someone for whatever the task is to mentally be okay and prepared to work harder than they've ever worked before and be okay trusting that the result will be there eventually so the trust factor is out the window why you're going to lose. Michael Jordan's going to get cut from his freshman high school team and be pissed about it. You are going to lose. If you risk greatly, you sit at the tables and you bet it all on black, I don't care how good you are, how calculated you are, you are going to lose. And most people have a problem with that. But if you don't risk it, then you can't get the reward. I, I just... If they don't understand that there is a possibility of defeat and that it's going to hurt or it has to hurt to obtain this success. Remember, success is, is limited to one. That's it. Knowing that the percentages are so weighed against you, knowing that you're shooting for one. Most people won't try it. 
And that's, that's, that's where there's a problem. And it sucks. It's going to sting. But then on the other side is realizing that once that moment comes back around or that opportunity comes back around and you remember that sting when you put everything into it and you didn't quite get your goal, that's where those reps will be valuable right then and there. Because that, at that moment, you won't let go. And you have to have that kind of mentality where it's a short memory, but it is remotely just obscene what the level or the level of commitment that you have or what you're willing to sacrifice for. And that's the only way, man. That, that is truly the only way to, to level up. So it seems like you've always used failure as a motivational fire for further success. And a lot of people, whether it's in sports, whether it's in life, it's in business, anything, they get a little taste of failure. It burns so bad, they go the other way and say, all right, I need to stop trying because this hurts too much. What would you tell them? Because you're obviously at the highest level. Well, that honestly failed and it hurts a lot. I don't want that ever fucking happening again. So I'm gonna work harder, smarter, beat everyone the next round. But that's a very uncommon trait. How can someone else get that? Yeah, I think a lot of people would, um, would think that they're working hard, would think that they're giving everything. But what we didn't talk about is methodology, meaning the ability to take coaching, the, the ability to, to take uh, leadership or instruction. Which, why just stop uh, there for one second? Because that's a really good point. So, yeah. obviously, you're talking about this methodology, you have these coaches, and I'm sure you had some coaches that you thought were fantastic, and you could literally say, because of this coach, I made it to the NFL, I made it to the All-Pro, and they were very valuable to me. And I'm sure you had others that you were like, everything I'm learning here is trash, this is taking my career the wrong direction. How mm -hmm. would someone evaluate whether the person that they're getting advice from or where to look for advice or coaching is actually the right person to take them to the level they're trying to go. Yeah. So I think that human nature would say, or, or what's typical in a situation uh, like that, when you're around a coach that you don't think so much of, maybe don't think he's, he's prepared. Maybe don't think he's, he's that sharp. Or maybe you just don't like him as a person. Typically what happens with most athletes or I just say people is, hey, shut off, man. Whenever, I don't wanna to listen to you, I don't wanna to talk to you. Never, never. What I can control is me. What you tell me, if I don't believe in it, if I think you're full of it, if I think that you're not given the level of effort that I need from a coach to get me in a position to play well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm still going to bust my ass. I'm still going to give great effort because that's a reflection of me. I have to look myself in the mirror and know if I, if I did I really give it up? Did I really leave it on the line? Did I really earn it? Did I really fight for it? You know, was I really, was I really willing to give it all to the point where I'm saying I, I will die for whatever this opportunity is, whatever this goal is? Because what will happen is I'm going to make that coach better. And what's reflective of me is, is primary. So you can't let um, a team member, um, 
you know, somebody in your, in your field, um, in the business world, whatever it may be, they can't dictate how you go about what you need to do. You have to always have that level of commitment to yourself first. And then you can have a conversation with that person, but never, ever, ever have I allowed a coach to dictate how I go about my business based on what I put on film. They'll always say, yeah, he might not be in the best position based on what scheme they're playing, but he's playing his ass off. So your view is a lot of people can just get the success they achieve by simply outworking everyone, but by a huge magnitude. It's not like you're slightly outworking people. What you're talking about is every time they watch a video, every time they watch a game, every time they see a workout, there is no anything less than 100% ever. Yeah. And I think that it, it hurts, man. It hurts. I've been in training sessions where it's, 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 it's team, it's group. So to give you an example, we're in high school. I had a, a stern high school coach, Mark Rondolo. Um, I owe him my right arm. I owe my mom my life, but I her level of commitment, but I owe my head coach my right arm in high school. He wouldn't let us do it wrong. He made us do it again. And we have these grueling three-hour practices, and then we would have to run scheduled very, it's very standard in the, in the industry, 16, 110. So you're running 110 yards. You have to run 16 of them, 30, 35 seconds, 45 second rest in between. And then you have time that you have to make based, based on your position, 14 seconds, 16 seconds, 18 seconds. And if somebody bent over, if one teammate, 80 guys bent over because he was tired on the eighth, ninth rep or didn't make their time, he would add he would add on to it and add on to it. But he didn't add to the individual. He added to the team. So you start to get, you know, people having outbursts saying, don't bend over, make your damn time, you know, like getting upset. But then when you're trying to set, when you're the guy who's trying to set the standard, the standard might be 14 seconds is, is where you're supposed to make the time, but you're running them in 12. You know, you're just, you're saying the first one, you're taking off, you're setting the standard, showing everybody how to work and say, hey, you got to be great on this individual rep. But in my mind, I'm scheduled for 16. So this guy, I'm killing myself, but this guy is now bending over. So now 16 turns into 18 because if you go down, you got to come back to where you're starting. So it's never just one rep. It's always two. 16 turns into 18, turns into 20, 22, 24, one tens, you know? And at that moment, you have a, a question to ask yourself. Everyone knows you've been busting your ass. Everyone sees that you're leading the pack. You're setting the, you're setting the, the mark. You're setting the standard. Do you back off because it's not your fault we're running extra because you already ran a 16? Or do you push yourself to the point that you're in tears because you refuse to quit in terms of giving great effort on that one rep? But those moments will come back in the game later down the season. And you'll remember that sacrifice you made and how hard it, how much it sucked because somebody else is bringing you down. But you can't let go of your, 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 your virtues, the things that you believe in. You've got to stay true to yourself. And that's where people fall off because they say, 
they make a concession. As soon as you make that concession, you'll do it again. Just like if you do give a, if you give a great rep, you should be able to do it again and do it again and do it again. Well, if, as soon as you make that concession and you cheat, you can make, you can cheat again. And then it just becomes second nature. And now you're, you go from being great at something to, to average to not very good. So you definitely believe that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you start screwing up, and, so and you start yeah. cheating on yourself, the next thing you know, it's affecting your entire body of work and you're not getting the result you want. A hundred percent. I think that the barometer, like I said about all great players, even though they've been around other better players is the gauge with themselves. You know, is that thing redlining? Can you, can you sustain the red line to the point where it's the norm for you. You need to make it where it's normal, where this threshold of competition of this bleak moment is normal for you because you've been there. At that point, that's that, that's that, that's that idol you want to be at, you know? So very and uncomfortable think, in things that are uncomfortable. Yes. And I would say, I would say this, man, it's professional football. No one's holding your hand. We would start off-season uh, conditioning program. If you didn't make the playoffs, you were done. New Year's Eve, you know, the first weekend in January at the latest. And you would be off until mid-March, then with a the new CBA since, I think, 2011, 2012, 2011. It's mid-April now. So... For three and a half months, you're not going to talk to your coach, who's your superior, defensive coordinator, head, uh, the head coach, um, the owner, general manager. Nobody is watching you for three and a half months. How do you think most guys started the very first day of off-season conditioning? How do you think they showed up? I'm assuming terrible. The average one, probably terrible. Listen, excuse my French, fucking terrible. The majority, and these are starters, great players, okay? Remember, my barometer of great is different than, you know, just how, how good you run around the field and do your job. Great players come in fat and out of shape. And I was, I was in awe of it. Since high school, the very start, the very start of off-season conditioning, it's always the same. I came in, I kid you not, in the best possible shape. I mean, ripped up, chiseled. I've been training my ass off because I don't like to hurt publicly. I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. I will bust my ass. I would do, I would jump the fence at University of Miami when the lights are off to go run extra. I, I, I ran down my street on 37th in, 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 in Coral Gables. I ran the stairs in my condo building. I did more shit outside so that when I showed up, I always set them up. That's the difference. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, Van Beast is always in good shape. No, I hurt behind the scenes so that you wouldn't catch me bending over. You wouldn't catch me cutting on reps because I had put the work in prior to. So now that it, when it is an audition, and to me, it was, it was a job interview. I was the best on day one of off-season workouts. Okay, as, as, a, a, as a, a rookie, second-year player, I'm trying to beat the fastest dude, the, 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 the leader of the team. I'm trying to beat that guy every single time. I'll embarrass him. 
because it's his job to be ready for it. No one, no one, no one told Usain Bolt not to run and break all the records and run sub 10. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't practical, but you know, what is it? Nine, six, six in the damn hundred meters, something we thought that was not possible. You have to be that way. You just have to be that way. So for extreme success, you need extreme commitment. Commitment. Commitment is the first word, and that's the choice. And then the thing that I think is, is the most uh, paramount part of success is what are you willing to give up for? So if you were to go train with someone else at that time that was looking to get to the next level, how did you know who the right people would be that would be able to push you and make things so uncomfortable and difficult that you'd actually be better than you already were? If the majority so of the guys too- were showing up out of shape, who are the ones right. where you would say, all right, these are going to be the ones so, that be the worst one. So, so it's, it's twofold. You have, you would prefer somebody to, to, to be the rabbit, so to speak, and set the pace and, you know, be that diligent worker. But if it didn't exist, don't be afraid to push the envelope or to set the bar as high as you possibly can individually and force them to level up. So it's still, even if you don't have that guy, for instance, my best friend in the world, Francesco Zampogna is an absolute son of a bitch of a worker in terms of when he sets his mind to something. We would train all the time in the off season. He never said no to me to an extra workout. And that's his mentality. That's, that's who he is. And we would go work out and go running and whatnot. And he would give his all. And he knew sometimes he's like, man, I'm trying to, I'm, I mean, he, he would try to try to catch me or try to beat me. And if he did, I would just, I just try to nudge him, you know, just, we would, we would go tooth and nail, but having that, that type of person is great to have around. But when you don't, you have to still have the, the self-awareness to know that you have to still go out and hurt one t- one rep at a time, just one rep, one night at a time, stay in the office late and see what happens. Ask for guidance. Oh, I was all about that coach. Oh, you know, what do you think about this? Or tell me about this play. Coach, like, oh, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's not that, it's not that serious. It's, it's not their, it's not their, their, their top concepts, their top pass concepts or run concepts. I'm like, yeah, but coach, but if they do run this, what, what'll happen? And he's like, beast, why do you always ask these questions? I'm like, I don't give a damn. I want every single answer. You know, you have to seek it. And it's not just a physical thing, even though I'm an athlete, it's the, it's the mental part of knowing that you're trying to be great at something. And the person who is in charge um, of giving you instruction, coaching you, the boss, the owner, he should know that your personality is you're seeking greatness. When you were doing your own training, it brings me to a point here. When you're doing your own training and you're uh, training or work or trying to get a specific result on an aspect of something you're improving, do you try and seek out ways to make it easier or harder? Or do you expect as you get closer to that result, it's getting harder and you're trying to find ways to make it harder or it's getting easier? That's a good question. I think that as you're going through the process, um, 
the more you do something or the more you're tested at whatever the, the, the task is, you understand what it takes. That's that the sting of, of defeat, you know, finishing second in a championship or, um, you know, where somebody ranks you in terms of how good you are versus the next guy. You start to, you, you start to have a, you know, a barometer of, of, of what that, that threshold is going to be, which you got that you have to push through to be number one because you're doing it that way. When I would train, the thing that would allow me to sleep, kid you not, I would say to myself, there was two people at my position in the league, not on my team, not in my uh, division conference, in the league, the best in the world, the, the standard, the competition was Ray Lewis and Patrick Willis. And at the end of the day, when I was up at 5'10 in the offseason for no reason in the world, okay, had no reason to be up at 5'10, but working out at 6 a.m., get done at 8, 8.40, you know, meal prepping, napping, and then going back and doing it again at 6 p.m. to 9, and then going home, going to sleep and waking up and doing it again. After I was done with that second workout of the day, in a random February, March, April, whenever off-season workout, way before the season doesn't start until September. When my head hit the pillow, I would say to myself, or ask myself this one question, did Patrick Willis or Ray Lewis do more than me today? And if I felt that they did, I couldn't sleep. So I slept well in my mind. My assumption was there's no way in hell they did more than me today. Did you ever find out if there was anyone at work in you? Well, they weren't, those guys weren't on my team. The, the, unfortunately, you know, being, I would call myself, I was a, a paranoid preparer, you know? Which is the what bra- most very successful people are. They're, are, yeah. what could go yeah. wrong and how do I, it's like, how, how do I take care of everything that goes wrong and outwork it? Right, it's like, it's like a great lawyer, right? Like if you, if they throw something at you that you didn't know, you know, it wasn't in discovery, all this. That's on you. You're supposed to know everything about the case and be ready for it and know that that count is coming, you know, so you can move out of the way and you end the case. So, unfortunately, opinions in terms of who was better is for beat writers and uh, fans that cover the game. You know, that's what I call the reporter. Like, they, they may have played, maybe they haven't. What about so, just looking back on what you could control? Do you think that there was anyone that actually did outwork you or the way you were pushing yourself, there was actually no one that could keep up? I wouldn't say that, uh, that there's nobody that outworked me, but you would be hard pressed to find somebody who played with me to say that there was a guy who worked harder. And to me, that that was always that was the that was the way that I went about being, uh, living a dream, being successful, and making it. Like I said, I wasn't the biggest, strongest, fastest dude, but um, the ability to to lock in on that, and it came full circle. I was retired for twenty seventeen, so like two years, two years, twenty eighteen. I'm sorry, twenty eighteen. I've been retired for three years. And um, my defensive coordinator, who was very, 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 made it very difficult for me at the University of Miami, which I appreciate, uh, Randy Shannon, uh, he said to me, he goes, 
you know how we always start every practice in the spring, in the fall? There's one drill that every defensive coordinator runs. It's called the pursuit drill, okay? So we'll all line up in our positions, and he'll point one way or the other, and the cone will be way in the back of the end zone. So we'd have to turn and sprint to a, a landmark, and everybody had a different spot based on the position that you're playing. And that's the first drill of – Football at every level, pursuit drill. You want to see guys run to the football defensively. He shows a play, and I never knew this until three years, retired, nine years in the league, and, you know, 13, 14 years since that particular rep in college. We're playing North Carolina. It was second half, and the ball started to my left, and I was on the far side of the defense, and I was passing up guys on my side of the defense, okay, that were not, you know, running around people. I was just – I was pursuing with the intent that I was going to get to the ball carrier, and I passed up guys more athletic faster, and he starts pursuit drill. He shows that rep. He talks about me, my accomplishments, what I did in the pros, and then he goes to the film of – what the drill is going to be for practice. And it hit me, it hit me deep because I was working for that. He never told me that. Here we are. I get drafted in the first round, nine years in the pros, three years removed. And now here's the seal of approval. So and you were outworking everyone and you. Every, every, yeah. And that, that's still his standard. He shows that clip. This is how you pursue the football. Boom. Puts it, puts the pointer on me, plays that particular game rep. And that play for him, everywhere he's been, University of Florida, University of Arkansas, since he's left, since he's left, uh, left the University of Miami, is still that play. And that, that to me, is better than any award I ever got. Nothing that that level of approval, because that's what I want people to say about me is that it, it mattered that much to me. One final question here, I think that is super important for people to understand. How often were you thinking about the actual result you were going to get versus the methodology and the hard work you were going to do to get there? Almost never. Thinking about the I result. Was, I was, I, yeah, the, there, there, there was a goal, and it was centered around being a champion. It's football. It's 11 players, you know, on one side of the ball, 11 players on the other side of the ball, 11 players on special teams. So you got 33 guys that got to do their damn job for you to have success and to be a champion and beat everybody. So it's very difficult to achieve the overall goal, but that was the goal. But my thought process was, and you know, I know people can't see me, but I'm taking my hand right now and I'm holding it an inch away from my nose saying, I was right there. The goal was right there in front of me. And that's all that mattered. That particular, that rep, that instant, that's it. And then I took that and I put it in the damn thing. I was always putting it in there, assuming, I'm, I'm sorry, no assumptions, no hope, expecting that eventually I was going to get my goal. And sometimes it, it worked out and sometimes it didn't. But looking back at it, there, there, there was a contentment of, of being the best based on not necessarily what I felt because a lot of people think they're great in their own mind, but what other people validated for me.
Really hope you enjoyed listening to John and how he achieved all the success. As you apply it, definitely keep in mind his philosophy of every single moment you need to try 100%. Otherwise, that result you want is only going to be further in the future.